Episode 74, Six Foundations of an Amplified Life. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live life amplified. Jay Stanford writes, health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. And perhaps one of the biggest questions that you and I have to face during our lifetime is how do we focus on our state of being and how do we elevate that? Here's another great quote that gives you a non-answer. This is from an unknown author who says, there is no one giant step that does it. It's a lot of little steps. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to Life Amplified. I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling renewed. I'm just back from 11 days of back-to-back retreats and seminars with my mentor and my mentorship group. And quite honestly, just a time that was desperately needed in my life. Because as I recently shared on Instagram, if you saw the post, and if you don't follow me, I would love it if you did. You can look me up at CSC Dan Mason. I shared that the past couple months of my life personally have felt anything but Amplified. I went through a string of challenges just in my dating life, in my personal relationships, and also in my business that set me back and knocked me on my ass for a bit. And I found myself facing old fears of failure and abandonment. I found myself in moments of hopelessness and despair. And there were some moments where, you know, part of me was just wanted to give up. We all want to be general manager of the universe. We want to control other people. We want to make them show up for us the way that we want. We want to control the outcomes in our career and in our finances. And sometimes those things aren't always in our control and it can be very, very painful. But thank God, A, that I've got excellent mentorship and support in my life to drag me through during those low moments so that it's not a permanent condition. It's more just a detour in my path, but also just so thankful and grateful that I've developed a foundation of skills and strategies and things that I can use that have helped me really build to where I am right now in my life and in my career. And it made me reflect on the flight home about if I had to narrow this down into six principles that I could teach to anybody that I would encourage you to incorporate into your life, what would it be? And I wanted to get beyond just the surface level stuff of, well, you've got to have an empowered mindset. Well, yeah, no shit, Dan. (laughs) Of course I need to have an empowered mindset. But why is it so often when I say positive affirmations, they don't seem to work for me? Why is it that my vision board is just a collection of pictures up on the wall Dan, but I can't seem to bring it to life. And that's because there's really some elements under the surface that are the foundation of the amplified life that you want to create. And if you're not incorporating these into your life, you're building your house on sand instead of rocks. So with your permission, if you would like to give me the next 30, 40 minutes of your life, I'm going to break these down for you in as simple terms as I can and help you start to build out through the remainder of 2019 a strong foundation so that you can make 2020 the best year of your life. These are my six foundations to an amplified life this week on Life Amplified. 
The first one is something you've heard me talk maybe once or twice when we've had some health experts on, but it's not something that I've really understood in my life until more recently. Because before we can start talking about your brain and your mental health, we also need to have a conversation about whole body health. A lot of the work that I've done on myself and that I believe in and that I teach to my clients is very holistic in nature. And that's why we've got to talk first and foremost about your microbiome, aka gut health. And if you had asked me six or seven years ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, you just have to poop more and you have good gut health, right? You know, we all saw Jamie Lee Curtis on the Activia commercials just smiling while she was eating her pooping yogurt. And we all thought that was the answer. And yeah, probiotics are good. They are useful. But gut health goes much deeper than that. And what I wanted to talk to you today about the fact is that you have got trillions of microbes in your gut. And what we're learning right now through science and research is that these microbes are the invisible force influencing your mental well-being. There used to be this belief in science that we looked at the brain as sort of this top-down mechanism, that whatever was going on in your brain affected your body. And that's not the case. What we now know is that there is a gut-brain access. This is also known as the vagus nerve in your body and that it is bidirectional in communication. So while your brain is sending signals down to the body, you actually have 10 times more fibers running from your gut up to your brain, sending information. And the bacteria and the microbiome in your gut, in many instances, is helping to create neurotransmitters like serotonin, like dopamine, which are the feel-good chemicals that our body releases. So if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm a bit of a research nerd. I wanted to share with you a study from neuroscientist John Cryan from the University College Cork in Ireland. He's been studying the power of gut microbiome on mice. And here's what he discovered by altering or in some cases eliminating or preventing the development of a healthy microbiome in mice, here's what he found, that the mice without microbes, the ones who were germ-free, experience neurochemical changes within the brain. Also, the germ-free mice are unable to recognize other mice around them, which makes them completely unable to socialize. Germ-free mice also exhibited higher risk behavior, and they found that the mice without out microbes were unable to remember scary situations, suggesting that your microbiome in the body is impacting neurological pathways that are involved in fear conditioning. This is insane. We never knew this years ago. And there's been some additional research in Ontario, Canada that says when microbes were taken from quote unquote a normal mouse and transplanted into the gut of a germ-free mouse, that the mouse adopts a similar personality to its donor. So it does make you question what's going on here. It looks and sounds like the gut microbiome is very influential in creating certain actions and behavior that up until now had been totally credited to the brain. So the big lesson here is we got to stop acting like our brain is 100% in control. 
Now, the researchers in Ireland have concluded, quote, dietary treatments could be used as either adjunct or sole therapy for mood disorders. And this might be controversial, and I just ask that you hear me out, and I'll talk a little bit about my experience having been treated for depression and anxiety through pill form when I was in my 20s. You know, I spent a couple years on Lexapro and couldn't get anywhere with it. And I'm not a person who is anti-medicine. I think it saves lives and cases, but the research suggests that only about 2 out of 10 people who go on antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds have real benefit beyond the placebo effect. So there are many people out there taking medication who are still experiencing depression and anxiety as a baseline. So this is a great time to look at what's going on in your gut and also realizing that the different bacteria and the different microbiome in your stomach, each of them prefers certain kinds of food. So every meal that you eat becomes very important in how you're nourishing these microbes and determining how they operate in the body. Now, how do you even know what foods you should eat? You know, this isn't like you can go to your usual doctor and just get a blood test and take a physical and get these things checked out. Although if you did some research online, there are companies that do microbiome testing via the mail. It's not that unlike doing 23andMe. Uh, There are many companies where you can send a stool sample through the mail and they will analyze and send you all the results including what foods are right for your gut because the thing is is our microbiomes are as unique to the individual as our own DNA nobody has the same exact microbiome so you can get profiled on what foods are healthy for you you can also find out what foods you should avoid I did one of these tests about a year and a half ago even before I really understood all the science behind it and it was interesting for me because the thing that I always made for breakfast for about four years straight. Every morning I would just get up and saute some spinach in a pan and then add egg whites and make myself a scramble. And that's what I ate almost every morning for about four years. Well, I got back my microbiome report and my gut health report and it turns out spinach is a food I shouldn't even be eating according to my profile. So that was pretty eye-opening. And it was also interesting for me, and this is just my experience, I can't speak to the science on this that a lot of the foods that I naturally have a taste for were showing up on my list of foods, like my superfoods that I should be eating more of. Things like Brussels sprouts, arugula, salmon is one of my favorites. Those were all showing up on my list, which also proved to me that a lot of times your body just knows what's good for it. Meanwhile, some of the foods that I hate, like God bless you people that can drink beet juice when you're juicing, but that shit is so disgusting for me. (laughs) I can't do it. That showed up on my foods to avoid list. So it's always worth looking into. There's a lot of companies out there that do it. You know, I don't want to make recommendations. I'm not an affiliate. I'm not getting kickbacks on any of this. So the first step in really looking at a holistic sense of your health is to check out your gut microbiome because you've got 10 times more fibers going from your body up to the brain than you do from your brain to your body. So we want to look at your health holistically and also understand there is just some very beginning research out there, nothing concrete, but it does indicate that your microbiome plays a role in various health conditions, uh, including autism, ADHD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and also schizophrenia and bipolar. 
that they've noticed that people with these afflictions lack certain bacteria in their gut. So talk to your doctor about it. I would also suggest looking into a functional medicine doctor because these are the people that are really specializing in this science. But my goal here is to get you thinking about maintaining a healthy gut and really focusing on your microbiome. Step number two, to create a more amplified life. I believe this with all my heart, friends. You gotta do your trauma work. And we've done some podcasts on this in the past. You can go back and listen to an episode I did with Mastin Kip last summer about how to hack your nervous system and you know a form of coaching that he's developed uh, called trauma hacking, also known as functional life coaching. And if you've listened to this podcast over the past couple of years, you know uh, I'm a guy who is all about helping people find their purpose. As a coach and mentor, that is my life's work is help you take your purpose and bring it forward into the world. But one of the things that I've also realized now in doing thousands of client hours is that the one thing that's going to stop you from living your purpose is trauma. And that is a word that is so misunderstood because I think a lot of times we limit it just to thinking about the big T traumas, you know, abuse, neglect, domestic violence, sexual violence. And trauma comes in a variety of shapes and sizes. It comes in different flavors. Uh, trauma exists in the United States this week in a big way. I think the news headlines for people are traumatizing. We're coming off the heels of two terrible mass shootings, uh, both in Dayton, Ohio and El Paso, Texas. And I have seen people on my Facebook feed, friends who I admire and respect, who are saying they're having nightmares about their children's school. They're having nightmares about being at work and having somebody show up and open fire in the office. That's also a symptom of trauma. Racism, misogyny, xenophobia, those are traumas that we're enduring every day. And one of the things that I find with people is they try to say, oh, well, Dan, you know, I had great parents. I had a great family. I don't have trauma. And that's not always the case. You know, it can be much more subtle. One of my clients is an aspiring author, an aspiring writer. And growing up in elementary school, he was placed into special ed classes. And the trauma of that and being made fun of by classmates created this sense of feeling like I'm behind. So every time he writes, he's always comparing himself, saying, well, it's not as good as these other authors. But the deeper trauma that was under that, uh, when you think about the years he spent in special ed, is he also grew up in a home where there was an alcoholic parent and not knowing what he was going to go home to every day created a lot of distraction, wasn't able to focus on his coursework or on his studies. So the teachers didn't know how to diagnose that back in the day. They just said, well, we're going to place you here in the special ed class. And that created an identity for this person. So, you know, things like bullying can be trauma. I dated a girl once who told me that she had no trauma. She didn't understand what it was that I coached clients on until one day we had a couple drinks and she broke down telling me about the time she got her hair cut at seven years old and her mom said it made her look fat. So she became very obsessed about her appearance and her weight. That is a trauma. And it might not be in the ways that make news headlines that we see with people who are enduring 
horrible suffering, but we don't want to get caught up in trying to compare levels of suffering because in your nervous system, trauma all registers the exact same. And here are some of the symptoms of trauma that goes unidentified and unhealed. Yes, there's the big things, anxiety, depression, PTSD, uh, feelings of shame, fear or anger, self-harm can be a symptom of trauma. But you know what? So can lack of trust in relationships or attracting relationships where there's no reciprocity where you're doing all the giving and you're taking care of people, but they don't show up for you. Procrastination, the inability to achieve goals, I guarantee you there is a trauma underneath that procrastination that usually exists around the idea of needing to be perfect to gain approval. Self-doubt, imposter syndrome, chronic disorganization, that is a big one for me. I tend to be very disorganized as a person, but trauma also affects the part of the brain that is in charge of executive functioning and sequencing. But whatever the trauma you have experienced in your life, one of the results is it creates an inflexible nervous system. You find yourself as a person who is feeling stuck. Now, that might be stuck in being depressed. It might be stuck in isolation and loneliness. It could just be stuck in a soul-sucking job and you're afraid to leave. Maybe intuitively, you're a person who's told yourself, God, there has got to be something bigger out there for me. But the thing that's blocking the natural wisdom of your body is usually trauma. This is why, again, even working on mindset in beliefs only gets you limited results unless you address the underlying root cause of what made those beliefs. Nobody comes out of the womb feeling not good enough, feeling unworthy to be here. You were butt-ass naked, kicking and screaming, making noise, and announcing yourself to the world, but there's usually something that happens along the way that robs you of that ability. And at the end of the day, the core of trauma is being disconnected both to yourself and the people around you and not being seen, heard, known, or recognized. And another prior guest on the podcast that I would urge you to go back and listen to if you haven't done it was Connie Lawrence, who is a very dear friend of mine and also a wonderful counselor and therapist. In our episode about healing from trauma and becoming a change maker, she talked about this idea that trauma is very little about what happens to you, but what happened after. Was there an empathetic witness? Was there somebody there to nurture you and make you feel safe? Or when you experienced the trauma, were you blamed? Were you shamed for it? You know, in many instances, that's what starts to shape the beliefs. And at some point, you got to show up and you got to do the healing work around this. And the risk becomes if you don't do the trauma work, you start to mentally organize your world and your working model of the world based on how you're feeling more than objectively reality. You're constantly living in a state of anxiety or emotion, but there's not a lot of higher level thinking that's helping you solve problems. You're always living in a state of hypervigilance. You're looking for threats in the environment, but that also keeps you for looking for answers or looking for a path forward. And you're never going to be able to heal this by yourself in a vacuum. You need expert guidance and support. Make sure that you are talking to a therapist who is trauma-informed or that you find a coach 
who is trauma-informed, yours truly, for example, uh, but just get the support around it. Because here's the thing. This is the one step out of the six that I'm giving you today that people will work their hardest to avoid. A lot of people are like, yeah, Dan, I hear you on the trauma work, but is there just some meditation? What if I just drink a shit ton of green juice? Wouldn't that help? If I go to the metaphysical store and I buy some sage and just like burn some sage around the house, will that burn off all the negative energy? And eventually, you know, you reach a point where you realize that your trauma work is your spiritual assignment at the end of the day. That's how we move through it is we live it. And eventually we find ourselves going up against these same old emotions that kept us stuck, the same fear of being seen, of being heard, of putting ourselves out there. But we make a new choice and that is what helps us move beyond it. My great wish for you is if anything I'm sharing with you today resonates, reach out ask for help. You can reach out and get info on my coaching programs, but there's plenty of other resources out there. This becomes the key because the third step in creating your amplified life goes back to discovering your purpose. And this is one of the biggest shifts I've made as a coach and mentor back before I really spent two years diving in uh, to all my trauma work. As a coach, I would just start out with helping people create a purpose statement. You know, let's figure out your purpose. Let's figure out your dream job. Let's figure out how you want to serve the world and move forward. And yet once my clients would create this plan, there would be enormous resistance uh, when it came time to take the action. And what I realized is, is even though they knew the purpose they didn't feel safe to bring it forward into the world. You know, living your purpose means using your voice. It means being seen. It means defying family expectations. It means, in some instances, defying religious or a church's expectations. It means stepping away from the approval of a peer group. And that is frightening to your nervous system unless you've done the trauma work. So trauma work is what really helps you take your purpose, discover it, and bring it forward into the world. As a coach, I can in one session help you come up with a purpose statement for your life. The work of how you bring that forward is what takes time, which is why my clients work with me usually in three or six month coaching packages. But there is such a huge link between purpose and trauma recovery. Stacey Schaeferl is a PhD who did a study for the National Institute of Mental Health in 2013. She wrote an article saying purpose in life is a key factor associated with better recovery from trauma. So once you know your purpose, it actually gives context to some of the painful experiences that you've been through in your life and you realize that some of these setbacks and some of the things that you have encountered have actually just set you up to become a source of light in the world, to help others who are going through that pain. You don't have to go back any further than one episode to see this beautifully illustrated in action when I spoke to Nicole Obenshine, who went through so much with her postpartum depression and a lot of feelings of shame and some really dark thoughts. But what she's been able to do now is powerfully turn that message into a movement and hosting events and writing up book deals and going out and serving the world in a bigger way. So many beautiful side effects that come with living your purpose. It could extend your lifespan by up to 10 years, according to some studies. Financial abundance follows your purpose because you're using your gifts to add value to the lives of other people. You will always get paid for that. You're setting an example for your children. There's so many people I know who come to me stuck in a mind-numbing, soul-sucking job who had parents 
who went and trudged every day to a job that they hate. And they learned subconsciously, almost like through osmosis, that's that's what adulting meant. When you're living your purpose, healthier, loving, romance, passion, better relationships in all forms. Because you tend to surround yourself with people who believe the same things that you believe. I just spent 11 days at this deep dive trauma event and made a best friend for life. I want to shout her out, Raina, because I know that she's always listening. And her cats actually enjoy listening to this podcast as well, which is another story altogether. When you're living your purpose, there is a reduced instance of cardiovascular events. You get better quality of sleep. Your immune function is better. You have better cognitive functioning when you're aligned with your purpose and much better emotional regulation. And I truly believe that stepping into your purpose is the single greatest gift that you can give to the people that you love because you will be showing up with more energy, more presence in your relationship. You're setting the example for your children and your families. And they really want, that's what people want from you more than anything. More than the steady paycheck, more than the fancy job title, people just want you to be present and they want your happiest, most lit up self. You're able to give that to people when you're living your purpose while you're also stepping out into the world and doing work that is deeply meaningful for you. Step number four for an amplified life, it's all about the environments that you're in. You have got to be able to create an environment that's going to take these new beliefs that you're creating. Once you've done your trauma work, once you know your purpose, you need an environment that makes it real. Environment is everything. I recently talked about this on an Instagram TV, if you go to my account, but there's a tremendous lesson in ancient farming systems that tell us about the importance of environment. Because it turns out that the farmers in Europe and through China were able to grow crops at two times a faster rate than American farmers. Now, why is that? Were they better educated? No. I mean, this was still pretty primitive. We didn't have huge educational systems. It was actually the environment that was conducive because Europe through Asia is very wide. It's a huge land mass that that whole area pretty much had fewer fluctuations in climate. They had similar amounts of daylight each day. The temperatures were very steady. It was conducive to cultivating two crops crops and just planting them from France all the way through China. And as they did that, they were able to better feed their people. They were able to increase the population faster. And as the population increased, they had the ability to have more workers to build systems, you know, economically. Meanwhile, over in North America, you know, it's much taller north to south. It's not as wide of a landmass. So think about that. You can't grow the same avocados in Southern California that you would if you were up in Vancouver because, well, things don't grow very well in snow. So the environment limited the amount of crops that could be produced every year, and the American farmers were much further behind. So environment becomes everything. A person in recovery from addiction can't get sober going to the same bar every night that they passed out at at 2 a.m. We have got to be able to cultivate an environment that makes the beliefs real. And if you are a person who is separating from family expectations, if you're really stepping into your purpose and saying, I am worthy of an abundant life and I have a gift that I want to share with other people, if you are still hanging out with the people who tell you, you should be grateful and just stay exactly where you are and keep a steady paycheck. You are never going to break through and leave a soul-sucking job. You can't create space 
for a loving soulmate relationship with somebody who will honor you and cherish you if you're staying in an emotionally abusive relationship. Environment has got to change. And this is why, you know, when you look at the quote from Zig Ziglar, who says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It's absolutely true. You cannot show me an example of a rich person who hangs out and spends the majority of their time with people living in poverty. In many instances, in the case of like Bill Gates, they are donating their money to help those people. But you tend to see that who you hang out with is who you become. And this is such a huge challenge for people on their journey forward is because sometimes the people who are your biggest naysayers, it can be your spouse, it could be your mom, your dad, it's the people closest to you. So I'm not telling you today that you got to go file for divorce or that you can't speak to your family again, but you have got to proactively cultivate a a social circle that is going to love and support you. It's why I myself sign up for group mentorship programs because there is tremendous power in learning as a tribe. And it's also why I do so many group programs because people have that experience of just being seen and having somebody love the parts of you that sometimes you're not even sure are lovable based on old family conditioning. The fifth key to an amplified life that has really been a game changer for me. Oh, I'm going to come out of the woo-woo closet, aren't I? (laughs) This is going to be a little weird for some of you, but I swear by this, uh, you got to start thinking about body and energy work. Because as we talk about healing the old emotions of trauma, what we know through science, there's a book on this called The Body Keeps the Score. You can look that up by Bessel van der Kolk. But what we're learning is that trauma gets stored in the body. And that, as we say, the issues are in the tissues. So you've got to get that worked out. Massage can be a great tool. Not one of those like little frou-frou, like $50 Swedish massages that you get when you sign up at Massage Envy. For You, you want to get deep tissue. You want to have somebody work on you. Uh, but there's other modalities as well that work on your energetic body. A lot of people swear by John Barnes' myofascial release. I have tried a couple sessions of that. I personally couldn't get anywhere with it, but I know people who swear by it. I just don't think that that was my journey. But one of the things that I absolutely swear by is Reiki. I had my first Reiki session almost two years ago with a practitioner who is just a a woman I adore. Shout out to Barbara Hall. And it was so crazy because as she put her hands pretty much just on the crown of my head as I laid on the table, something shifted. And next thing I knew, I had tears running down my face. Like I wasn't sobbing, but all of a sudden I just found tears coming down my face. There was some sort of release that was happening. And basically, the whole modality is a technique that is based on a principle that an attuned therapist, a Reiki practitioner, can channel energy into you as a patient through touch. And it activates a natural healing process of your body, and it restores physical and emotional well-being. There are a lot of great Reiki practitioners out there. This used to be something that was seen as being woo-woo or sort of like some weird occult sort of stuff. And now, Reiki is starting to make its way into hospitals. They're using it for treatments of cancer patients at this point. So it's very much becoming mainstream. It is my preferred 
modality when it comes to energy work. But there are other things out there. You know, some people enjoy acupuncture, which is something that I have done in the past. I don't really utilize it in my life right now. But even some of the friends who, who I've recommended Reiki to who are always skeptical about it will at the very least grudgingly admit when they come out of the session that they feel deeply relaxed and they felt like interesting sensations just like tingling in their body. So that is something I would very much urge you to look into if you are so moved, because we're talking about sort of healing at a cellular level with your microbiome. We're talking about healing emotionally with your trauma work. We're talking about healing in terms of your connection to the world around you by living your purpose. But I do think uh, body and energetic work is something that is important. So explore, find a modality that's right for you, whether it be myofascial release, whether it's Reiki, whether it's acupuncture, or you can always just go to the trusty old massage if that feels safer for you. And that brings me to the sixth and final tip to live a more amplified life. And I know that this we're talking today very holistically, but this is where we started the podcast. It's automatic resilient thoughts. It's mindset. It's a practice that we would call emotional fitness. You know, I think that there are three levels of personal growth. A lot of people who come to me are so shut off from feeling any emotion. They're heavy thinkers that they're always surprised when we get into the work and they're like, oh, wow, wait, I actually do feel things. I do have emotion, Dan. And then the next level is to really build emotional intelligence. We want a high emotional, you know, a high EQ, but that only gets you so far. And I think that when I was spending a lot of time back in therapy in my, you know, mid to late 20s, I found myself talking about the same four stories over and over again. And I had a very clear intellectual understanding of how it was keeping me stuck, but there wasn't really a path forward. So the step really after emotional intelligence is to create emotional fitness, which means that you are showing up each day, that you are the author of your life. You're deciding how you want to feel. You are taking bold, courageous action in the face of fear. This is a lot of what surface level personal growth is about, you know, telling you that growth happens outside of your comfort zone. And we say all these things that look great on Instagram quote cards. But what I want you to understand is without the context and the levels underneath, if there is just inflammation and dysbiosis in your body, it's hard for you to have the energy to show up for your goals every day. If trauma is keeping you stuck living in the past and re living old stories and old patterns and old family situations, you're never going to feel safe to move forward outside of the comfort zone. So everything leading up to that, if you have the wrong environment, you can be taking action. But the first time something doesn't work out the way you want, you're going to have a bunch of a-holes around you going, see, we told you so. This is stupid. And you should go back to your corporate job. So all the other components that we have spoken about today really are what have to be in place. Yes, Take courageous action, but you also need a strong foundation underneath or you're going to be one of the people who are taking two steps forward and two steps back at any given time. Again, to recap, six steps for an amplified life. Number one, we want to look at your microbiome health. Number two, we got to do the trauma work and help you recover so that you feel safe to do step number three, which is to discover your purpose and bring it into the world. Step number four, creating a healthy environment 
environment that will nurture you and your new beliefs as you bring them to life in the world. Step number five, you got to look into some sort of body or energy work. And then step number six, building that emotional fitness, taking courageous action every day. All of these things will require some mentorship along the way. And if you're looking for a one-stop shop for somebody who can help you, A, get clear on your purpose, remove those mental obstacles that have stood in the way and kept you stuck up until now. If you're looking to co-regulate and create a healthy environment with a mentor who believes in you and believes in your dreams, even on the day when you don't, and can help you create grounded action steps and stay in daily action toward your goals, know that I have got you couple spots left for VIP coaching in the month of August. Uh, You can go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net, and you can get all the information there. And if this podcast is serving you today, it would mean the world if you left us a five-star rating and review up on Apple or just gave us a follow here on the iHeartRadio app. You can also screenshot this podcast, share it to Instagram and Twitter with your friends. Be sure to tell me about any takeaways that you've had. You can find me on both Twitter and Insta at CSC Dan Mason. We also have our private Facebook group for listeners of the podcast, our Life Amplified Power Tribe, a link to that is in the show notes. And while I'm at it, let me shout out our listener of the week, who is Sabercat17 on Instagram. She said she was listening to our episode with Shannon Algio for the third time and amazed at the things that she picked up in each new listen. She says, pride in yourself is a critical part of self-care. Dan's statement, there is greatness in your smallness from an earlier episode has become a sort of mantra for me, and we need to be proud of the smallness from which our greatness grows. Sabercat17, that just made my week. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing the podcast with your friends. If you would like to be our listener of the week, all you got to do, use any of those avenues on social media. Be sure to tag me and I will shout you out next week. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity. Turn up the volume on your purpose so you can get out there and live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.